Welcome to The Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Today's podcast is about school superintendents. Just as teachers set the tone for their classrooms and principals establish the climate for their schools, superintendents play the critical role of setting the standard and direction for their entire school system. In picking one, school boards often seek a superhero, someone who offers the complete package of academic knowledge, business management, political savvy, and a friendly rapport with the entire community. It's not always easy to find the right fit. In Hillsborough County, the nation's seventh largest district, the board had its share of battles before settling on Addison Davis this week. And let's not forget, in most Florida school districts, it's the voters, not the board, who pick the superintendent. Davis was an elected super in Clay County before his appointment. Pasco County, just to the north of Hillsborough, is the nation's largest district to still vote for its chief executive. And politics loom large there, too, where two-term incumbent Kurt Browning faces a growing number of opponents in his re-election bid. All that in mind, reporter Marlene Sokol joins me today to talk about the school superintendent and why it's important in Hillsborough, Pasco, and beyond. This is the Tampa Bay Times Gradebook Podcast. Well, Marlene, I want to welcome you back to the podcast. It's time for us to talk superintendents. Are you ready? I am ready, and thank you for inviting me. You have had a huge month basically trying to get through 51 candidates, down to seven, down to three, down to one, and all with politics and community involved. In the seventh largest school district in the state, in the country, third largest in the state of Florida, what have you seen as, what's your big takeaway about why do people care so much who the superintendent is and how did they get to that point? Well, I mean, first, um, why do people care? I, I would hope they care because it is hugely, hugely important Um, not just because of the size of the school district, we're the seventh largest in the nation, but because so much depends on how, what type of education children are getting in school. Can they read? Are they safe in school? You know, the whole safety issue ever since Parkland has put a whole other dimension on how we feel about schools. But I mean, just our city, our community, if the schools are no good, then there goes the rest of society. And, and I always compare it to Philadelphia, where I come from. The schools are terrible and, and the city is suffering because of it. And I see a lot of trends in Hillsborough that are in, in the same direction as Philadelphia, although not as bad. So getting back to why do people care? Why should they care? If you're going to live here, you want to know that the schools are adequate or good for your children. And even if you don't have children, what kind of society we live in if the schools aren't any good? So I I get on my soapbox with this. but And why does the superintendent matter? Because the superintendent controls everything. The school board hires and fires the superintendent and the attorney. But the superintendent appoints the cabinet who appoints the principals, who hires and fires and supervises the teachers. So all roads lead to the superintendent of schools. So let's talk about your school board then, because they seemed very passionate and very divided for a long time. They wanted to have an outsider. They wanted to have an insider. They wanted to have a person of color. They wanted to have all sorts of things. How did they get through the fight and settle on this man from Clay County to the north of us? Well, the man from Clay County, and, and there are people who think that it was predestined. You know, you know the Jewish people say beshirt. You know, there are people who will tell you the fix was in. 
I know we were hearing his name as far back as November. So whether the fix was in or whether he had impressed certain members of the school board, both, you know, they, they served together in Leadership Florida. They met each other at a joint meeting in December of the superintendents and school board members. But there was a buzz around Addison Davis for a long time. And, and then so he came to town and there was opposition against him. There, there was actually a, a campaign that I have to say was not well executed against him because they, they had some very weak ammunition. But and I think how the school board ultimately came together, uh, Tammy Schamberger was very transparent last night when she said, Okay, you know, Addison Davis brought this to the table, table. Peter Licata brought that, Don Haddad brought something else, but I want this board to be unified. You know, my community is divided and I want us to be a unified board, so let's all vote for Addison Davis. And it was not a slam against him. She, she did welcome him and say some very complimentary things, but she also made it clear that it was important for the board to be unified. And she was the person, though, who supported Harrison Peters, the inside candidate who didn't even make it as a finalist, right? She supported him. She dropped his name, I'm going to say, before the board had even agreed to to go outside or to hire the search form. I believe it was during the same meeting when they voted to hire Ray and Associates. She said, well, what we need is a unicorn. And then later in the day, she said, and we may have this unicorn right here in our school system, Harrison Peters. So she dropped his name months and months and months ago, and she advocated for him, and um, which I, I don't want to suppose what her reasoning was. I happen to like Harrison Peters. I think there are a lot of good things about him. There are people in this district who very strongly dislike him. And in fact, when I went on a previous podcast and said, I like Harrison Peters, months later, people said to me, how could you go on that podcast and say you like Harrison Peters? He's terrible. (laughs) So, you know, there are people who like him, people who very strongly dislike him, especially in labor union circles. But Tammy Schamberger was advocating for him. And where things, I think, took really a turn to the unfortunate was when the six elected officials, four in the legislature, one in city council, one in the county commission, signed letters of support saying you should hire Harrison Peters. And they kind of said it was because of his race, you know, and one of the which is which is what he's African-American. And yes, there are huge issues of, you know, of racism and racial disparities and definitely a black-white achievement gap in this school district. But I don't think that translates to hire Harrison Peters because he would be a superintendent of color. So let's then talk about why hire Addison Davis. He comes from a small like ex-urban school district in North Florida that doesn't really represent the size or or scope of a Hillsborough County? And what made him so appealing? Well, he comes from Jacksonville. I don't think of him as coming from Clay County. I think of Clay County as, as being a detour. And in Clay County, he had some successes, but there were also some things he was not able to do because of salaries and you know, trying to hire, you know, trying to diversify his workforce and his cabinet. He had some success in that area, but there were some people that he could not hire because of, of, of salary. But 
He spent most of his career in Duval County, and Duval County, and I lived there as a reporter years ago, many of the same challenges as Hillsborough. It, it has neighborhoods of profound poverty, and, and much of the African-American community is living in those neighborhoods, multiple generations of inadequate education. In many cases, Duval County is worse than Hillsborough uh, in terms of segregation, and in terms of disparities of opportunity. So he really cut his teeth in Duval County. He grew up in Duval County. He worked and taught at at some schools that were predominantly African-American. And that's really where he made his career. And and he does seem to have a passion for equity. Um, He uses a lot of numbers when he talks. That's one aspect of his personality that takes getting used to. But he did a lot of time in the Duval County public schools and had some good results. And so what does he bring then to the table here in Hillsboro? Uh, does he have a plan? Does he have something that's really amazing that is going to turn around all the things that everybody thinks need to be turned around? Um, he has plans. He has very detailed plans. And, and he is going to be in a point at the beginning where he needs to learn a lot more, but he has done an enormous amount of research and he, but he wants to look at curriculum. He, I, I don't know what he's going to do to the cabinet. He, he has been very, you know, he has not really made any commitments about who's going to stay, who's going to go. He has said both in his 90 day plan and in the interview that he wants the person who's in charge of the achievement schools or the, the turnaround schools, whatever we're going to call it, that person needs to work directly for him. He, he does not want there to be two or three layers between himself and the person who's in charge of getting schools off the D and F schools. And that person, right, is also gone now. The, that's a vacancy, so he could bring in whoever he wants for that. Isn't exactly. That right? Trisha McManus is leaving at the end of the school year. So we do not know who will be in charge, but... I mean, that's got to be a high priority for anybody. And I've been saying this a long time. When you have sections of Tampa where children cannot read and their parents cannot read, and you're just consigning people to, you know, multiple generations of, of limited opportunity. But he's, in, in fact, I, I do have a sound clip I want to play because one thing to know about Addison Davis, first of all, he does his homework. He was absolutely prepared for this in ways that the other candidates were not. And he likes to use numbers. And an interesting thing that he did yesterday in his interview for the school board, handed a list of numbers. On one side, it was just numbers. On the other side, it was, here's what these numbers represent. So I'll play you. It's about one minute. And it says a lot about his style. You will see with these numbers. 9,400 students are not proficient in third grade and literacy. 2,600 students are not graduating. 206 schools maintain or decline their school grade last year in Hillsborough. 56.9 students, uh, 56.9 of our inexperienced teachers are teaching at high minority schools. In the last three years, we've ranked number 27, 30, and 36 in the state of Florida academically and instructionally. Over 60,000 students are, are not reading a proficient level in reading, and 59,000 students are not on grade level with learning from three to eight in mathematics. If these numbers don't drive, you know, please know that I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but, but you've done some really great work. But these numbers should energize every leader to make a difference. 
and in my profession, I have dedicated my time and efforts to school improvement. And while these numbers are somewhat concerning, I'm attracted to them because we've got work to do every single day. This is the Tampa Bay Times Gradebook Podcast. That That's a really interesting thing. I, I'm really surprised to hear that, you know, he came in like so uber prepared. He must have been looking for this job for a long time. Yeah, and that's what makes you wonder, you know, if the fix was in. And I don't know if this fix was in or not, but but his preparation. I'll give you an example. The 90-day the plans, and some of them were five pages, six pages, he submitted, I want to say, close to 100 pages. It literally broke our office scanner. I was trying to scan all the documents in, and it kept jamming up, and finally I could only scan parts of it. But it was close to 100 pages. It was very detailed. He handed something out, a three-page single-space document last night called Accelerate, it, Accelerate Hillsborough where he, he lists, you know, the, the, the attributes, the assets, if you want to call them that, short-term goals, problems. So he did an enormous amount of research. A- another thing in terms of style, when you ask how did he win over the board, I noticed this early on. The other finalists, they kept saying, talking about Hillsborough in second or third person. You know, you have this issue, you have that issue. Addison Davis, he kept saying, we, we, we. So when Addison Davis, when he was saying we, he meant Hillsborough County, Don Hadid, who, who had very strong qualifications, he was the applicant from Colorado, when he would say we, he meant his school district in Colorado. So Davis was talking like he was already the superintendent, like it was a foregone conclusion. I have to be honest, when I looked at the list originally, I didn't think that Addison Davis was going to rise to the top. Whatever happened to the women from Salt Lake City in Dallas, some big, hefty-looking resumes? It was interesting. I've heard from people in the community who really liked Stephanie Ellis Alday from Dallas. Um, I think, however, she and Alexis Cunningham did not come across with big personalities. And I know that sounds superficial and trivial, but they were not real exciting. And and one of the things I've learned covering Jeff Akins and then before him, Mary Ellen Elia, you really need to have a personality in this job. You need to be able to work the room. You need to be able to sell a tax r- referendum if necessary. In the case of Mary Ellen Elia, she had to sell Common Core in neighborhoods that were very hostile to Common Core. Of course, it turns out with good reason. But you have to be able, you have to have a big personality. Addison Davis has a huge personality. He may have other flaws. I, I mean, people that knew him in Duval and Clay have contacted me about some of those other flaws. Me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> you too. But yeah, we'll, you know, and, and there's a lot of research to be done. And, and I look forward to getting to know him better and asking about some of these allegations. But he does have a big personality. He does have charisma. Well, personality is what got Marielle and Elia into trouble with her board. How much personality is too much, right? Yeah, but that was over the course of 10 years. And I think in in terms, and, you know, superintendents of large districts do not stick around for 10 years anymore in in most cases. Marielle and Elia, towards the end, she had just, I think, burned too many bridges. And maybe she became a little bit arrogant and too dismissive of the board, and she underestimated them. But... I think for most of her tenure, 
I know that when, when she would come to the Times editorial board, she had them eating out of her hand because she was just so knowledgeable on the issues. And, and, and that's what she was able to do. She was able to move around the state and the country and impress people with her depth of knowledge and her commitment. And, you know, with Jeff Akins, it, it was a different personality. He had the personality where people saw right away that he was somebody of integrity and commitment and compassion and really a role model. He, he was he was really a, a person you would look up to in, in terms of his integrity that, you know, that word always comes to mind. With Addison Davis, it's his energy. I mean, you look at him and the impression he gives is that you're going to hire one superintendent, but you're going to get three. You, you, you know, you, he is just really, you know, he, he's, I, I want to say the energizer bunny, and that sounds disrespectful. But he also has a sense of humor and, uh, you know, a little bit of the, you know, gosh, gee, you know, kind of kind of way of speaking. But a lot of intelligence, a lot of drive, and he comes across as having a lot of commitment. So before we pivot to the other half of our superintendent conversation, well, it won't be exactly half, other part, I want to ask you, you know, for your prognosis then, we're bringing in this guy, he's the first new outsider superintendent in 50 years. Nobody besides a handful of people know him. How does he do? What's your guess on how he wins over the rest of the community and all the people who have kids in the schools and want to see their schools be good? You know, in terms of uh, community groups winning over the community, I I think that will be relatively easy because of his personality, because when he walks in the room, has a conversation, people are impressed by him. Now, how he wins over the workforce you know, anything goes. And I really don't know what's going to happen. I, I, I think it, it will be very disruptive. Even if he does nothing, people are nervous. People are dusting off their resumes. You know, we've already had several high-level people put in their resignation. Ironically, there were people who thought Chris Farkas was going to get the job. So people who didn't think they could work for Chris Farkas started looking around. Now Chris Farkas, you know, obviously not. But So it will be disruptive to the organization. I don't know what's going to happen to achievement schools. I I do not know if Addison Davis is going to rip the whole thing apart and and build it over again, or if he's going to take the parts that are succeeding and and just tweak it around the edges for the first year. I, I don't know. But so in terms of the organization, there will be disruption, even if he does nothing, because people are so nervous. But out in the community, I, I, I think he can go anywhere, and I, I think people will be receptive to him. This is a perfect segue because one of the things that he was was an elected superintendent in Clay County, and being elected means that you know politics, you know, out in the community very well. And we see that in Florida, there are more than half the school districts that have elected superintendents. One of which is. Pasco County, right to the north of Hillsborough. And didn't Pasco County's elected superintendent get approached by one of your school board members in Hillsborough and say, hey, apply for this job? Yeah, everybody likes Kurt Browning. And and he has been so good at the politics. And um, I, I envy you of the relationship that you have with Superintendent Browning. Jeff Akins and I were cordial to each other. We're respectful to each other. But it's never really been that kind of working relationship. And uh, I, I think that we'll, we'll see how it is with, with Addison Davis. But um, 
But yeah, t- talk a little bit about the Pasco election, because that's getting exciting. It is. Actually, when you say everybody likes Kurt Browning, that has got to be put with a giant asterisk next to it. I mean, he's a person who's been in public office in the state and in the county for decades. And so lots of people know him, but not everybody likes him. And he's drawn opposition in his bid for a third term from a principal at a high school, from a teacher at one of the middle schools. And also now it looks like a former state senator is testing the waters to see where he can go with a campaign, possibly. It's stemming from the superintendent's start and stop efforts to try and improve the very low performing schools in the poorest parts of the county, especially West Pasco. And John Legg, who used to run the Senate and the House Education Committees while he was a legislator, uh, is now in a charter school here, which he started more than 20 years ago serving the West Pasco community, and he's talking about running for office again. He's actually not talking about it openly like, I'm running. He's talking about it in terms of like, I'm going to see what I need to do because I'm not satisfied with the current direction of the school district. And it seems like after eight years or so, this kind of thing happens. The, pre- the previous superintendent, Heather Fiorentino, lasted eight years, and then she faced this challenge from Kurt Browning, and he beat her very soundly, even though he was not an educator, one of the first non-educators to lead the district. And that is one of the big issues that a lot of people raise with him. They they want somebody who knows education as well as all the other things that he can do. I mean, you're managing a billion-dollar budget and the largest employee base in a county the size of Pasco, which is a big suburb of Tampa and to some extent, Pinellas County as well. So it's really interesting to see where that is headed. And it could be a very explosive race, especially knowing there are people in the community who hate him as well over things like school rezoning issues, his teacher pay plan proposals, his initiatives to close down schools. After eight years in office, you kind of figure out that, you know, you don't always make everybody happy. Isn't that right? Exactly, especially with rezoning. And that was the first thing that came to mind when you mentioned Pasco and and Kurt Browning. Unfortunately, no matter how good you are at your job, when you're going to make decisions that affect where somebody's child goes to school, they used to go here, now they're going to go there you are going to burn bridges and you are going to make enemies. And, and, and even if on paper it's the most logical plan in the world, there uh, you will meet opposition and, and, and people will not forget. And in Pasco County, unlike Hillsborough County, the people get a direct say in who you will be, not just the school board members, but also the superintendent. I remember covering the rezoning of West Chase Elementary School way back in the day in Hillsborough County. And West Chase, which is an active and affluent and, and voting community, was irate because they were going to take half of their children out of West Chase Elementary and move them somewhere else. And they came out in droves to complain to the school board, how dare you do this to our children and so forth. Yeah, but we're that seeing didn't... that in Fishhawk right now in East Hillsborough. And I don't envy Melissa Snively because... There are organizations forming around each of the different options. You know, they have to relieve overcrowding at Barrington Middle School. And she's got to walk this tightrope and she has to try and satisfy everybody when, when there's no satisfying everybody. And so it's a difficult position for her as an elected official from that district. Um, to her but credit, then just take... 
Yeah, take that and put it put it all the way out to the superintendent who, you know, in Hillsborough is making a recommendation, in Pasco is making a recommendation that if people enough people don't like it, you can get voted out of office for somebody who may just be more friendly to your point of view. Yeah, or better organized. And that, and that's one thing about um, communities when there's a school rezoning, they tend to mobilize. So I think that the Pasco school board and superintendent election will be very interesting this year because there have been eight years worth of building up, you know, of anger or resentment on certain things. But a lot of people who are very happy with how their schools are as well. And Kurt Browning does remain a, a neighborhood name, a, a name that you see in the paper. Everybody knows who he is for better or for worse. And we'll find out how much of the for worse part comes into play and how many people actually run against him. So superintendents. So <laughs> I'm the beat that? reporter, but you are a constituent. And so what is on your wish list? What do you think Addison Davis needs to do? And what does he need to do first? Oh, my gosh, that's a hard and unfair question. I can't. <laughs> I, I, you know, he needs to establish himself more than anything. Like whenever somebody new comes into an organization, don't come in and act like you know everything, right? You got to say, I'm here to learn as much as to impart wisdom and and to be a leader, but also to be a listener. Yeah, but what do the schools need? Do they need more toilet paper? Do they need, I mean, what are what are the needs that, I mean, do they need better principals? I can name a couple of schools that absolutely need better principals, but. Well, that's a give me in every school district, better principals. And yes, toilet paper too. You go into some of the schools in Hillsborough County. I mean, where my son goes to school is not exactly like the ritziest neighborhood in the world. And you don't want to go to the restroom in there. There's no soap. There's no paper towels. They're not clean. Things are sort of run down. And I know they got that sales tax to try and improve certain things, but air conditioning is air conditioning. There are a lot of other amenities and things that could be done. I mean, they have the school teacher issue. You have lots of people leaving schools and not wanting to be teachers anymore. And that doesn't have so much to do necessarily with the school itself, but just the climate of education these days. He's got to find a way to solve that too. We saw in our school, the entire math department turnover in one summer. I mean, that's not good. We need to see things like that get fixed. And I hope that he can meet with enough good people and find the right way to do it. Well, that's a school leadership issue. But yes, I mean, relationships with the teachers and with the teachers union, that's going to be huge. Um, I, I never underestimate how important it is to be able to to have a good functioning relationship with the teachers union. And unfortunately, that didn't happen so much under Jeff Akins. Part of it was personalities. Mary Ellen Elia had a personality that was more compatible with Stephanie Baxter Jenkins, the union's executive director. Jeff Akins, not as much. Um, and I spoke to some union people in the audience last night, and they said they believe they absolutely can work with Addison Davis. And they checked around. They, they talked to the union in Duval. They talked to the union in Clay, and they got good reports. Um, my personal ask list, and, and I do have an ask list, I would like the superintendent to hold his administrators accountable and, and to be more transparent about it. I, I mean, personally, I am seeing people in high places who just get shuffled out the back door and, and there's no documentation about why. And, and that seems to be deliberate. And, you know, and I know they don't like a bad headline. I don't, I know they don't like an embarrassing story in the paper, but they should document when things go wrong in the schools. And it should be on paper. It should be a public record. 
even if it's just an allegation, they, they should document and, and well, not go to people and say, well, if you resign, nobody will ever know. Well, maybe that will be something that being an outsider, he'll be able to do a little more. Jeff Akins was in the district for, what, 30 years. And so he knew lots of people and probably didn't want to embarrass his friends. This guy doesn't hopefully come in with too many friends and he comes in to do a job. Yes, I, I would like to see things on paper documented and and, and accountability. They're, they're public servants. This is not a little private thing for them. And even in the private sector, if you if you cross certain lines... It becomes public, and and so, uh, but I I wish him the best. I, I I really do not root for failure. I I, I wish him the best. I, I want schools to to thrive. I want them to get better. I, I want the organization to be healthy. So we have to look forward to a long, perhaps maybe short career of Addison Davis. The superintendent, as he and other superintendents around, have their work cut out for them, and we have our work cut out for us. Thanks, Marlene. That's the end of our conversation and the end of our podcast. If you'd like to share your thoughts on today's topic, please go to our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook, and add your comments to the post. To keep up with the latest in Florida education news, please visit our blog, www.tampabay.com gradebook. Have comments, questions, or concerns about this podcast? Want to hear about something else? Send an email to me at jsolacek at tampabay.com or add a review to the site where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher, Apple, and Google. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Thanks so much for listening.